Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We're in this new series almost every February. If you've been around here very long, you know that uh, we usually preach towards relationships and helping all relationships get better because all relationships can get better. Say amen to that. Everybody, I want to help you. If you're married, I want to help you have a better marriage. If you're dating, I want to help you have a better dating relationship. If you're single, I want you to not have to be single the rest of your life. Say amen to that. I want to help you unless you're ugly and then I can't help you. I just want to set your expectations. I'm not a miracle worker, everybody. I'll pray. I want to. I want to help every. I want to help your relationship with your children. How many parents want to have good relationships with their children? Come on. I don't want to mess that up. I want to get that right. I want. I want a relationship in my small group, with in my workplace, with the team that I serve on. Every friendship can get better. Every marriage can get deeper. Well, we've been married 30 years. What don't I know? Everything. Come on, men. Everything. Are you with me? I've been married 22 years. I know less today than I did 22 years ago. Everything can get better. Every relationship can get healthier. Everything can get stronger. And specifically, I don't know that I've ever preached this way, but I felt the Lord several months ago preparing my preaching calendar for 2022. I felt God lead me in the direction of the lies that we believe in our relationship. And I want to teach you and, and maybe preach a little bit. But I want to, I want to help us work in, in the areas of the lies that the enemy tells us and that we live. Three, three ways that I want to help us over the course of the next several weeks. Number one, write this down. What are the lies that I believe? What are the things that I've just believed? If you're not careful, you'll start believing some, some lies the enemy's told you. And you'll live your life from the lie. Let me say it better this way. Look into my eyes. If you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. Did you hear that? If you learn it wrong, if you start from the wrong position, that, okay, let me say it like this. If you start believing that you're entitled to something, then you'll live your life in entitlement instead of the posture of everything I receive as a blessing. Now I can live my hand with an open hand to God and I receive it as a blessing I'm not entitled. Are you with me? But if you learn it wrong, if you're raised in an environment of entitlement, then you'll live your whole life with your hand clenched like I be this belongs to me, I'm supposed to have it. Now you'll live your whole life entitled. Are you with me? What are the lies I believe? What are the lies I'm telling? What are the lies I tell? What are the lies I tell? You say, well, Pastor, I don't lie. Oh, yeah? What are the little lies that, I've, that I'm telling? Oh, no, I'm fine. How's it going today, David? I'm, oh, I'm, oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. That's what Christians do. I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, okay. Are you? Okay, all right. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Oh, okay. All right. You just cussed at your kids in the car on the way to church, but you're going to come in with blessed to be stressed. Hello. What lies am I telling? <laughs> now, I'm not saying walk in here talking about, well, I cussed. I just cussed. That's what I did. Or, or I'm, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not saying you got to be negative all your life. But I am saying at some point you got to get honest. I'm telling some lies about I'm really not doing good. Are you with me, everybody? Let me tell you another one. What are the lies I'm living? How am I living my life that isn't true? She thinks it's true, but it's not. He believes this is who I am, but I know better. 
I met somebody just yesterday. I invited them to church. Maybe they're in the room today who was telling me about a relationship she had had. Two years she'd been in a relationship with somebody. Most of it had been digital. Nothing wrong with meeting somebody that way, but this relationship had been digital so long, and then they finally met in person, and, and she moved to a different state to be with him. And in the car ride, the mask came off. And this controlling, manipulative, abusive man showed up that she hadn't known for two years. I'm not telling you it's that bad, but I am telling you we are capable as humans of living a lie. When, when, when's the mask going to come off in our relationships? And we're going to say, this is, this is really... Now, there is no such thing as a little white lie in your relationship. There is no such thing as, well, I just, just, I just told a little bit. Or I just, I just didn't tell the whole thing. Write this down. A lie is either a falsehood you have accepted or it's a truth that you have rejected. Most of the times, people who come to my office are not living a lie like a falsehood they have accepted. Most of them know the truth. They just rejected the truth. Let me say it better like this. Most people know this is, I'm not doing good. This is not the right relationship. I shouldn't be with her. I shouldn't talk this way. I shouldn't have these feelings. I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't live that way. I shouldn't, this shouldn't be happening. It's just a truth you've decided to reject. Instead of embracing the truth of God and finding freedom in your life, you just decided to live a lie. I'm okay. Everybody's okay. Everything's fine. No big deal. It's a lie in your life. And I know we tell ourselves some lies are good lies. Like when your wife asks you, does this make my rear end look big? Look at me. It's safer for your health to say, no. That looks perfectly fine. But it's bad for your heart to build a relationship on lies. Are you with me? I usually just play deaf. I'm sorry, say what? I'm not lying. I'm just, I got to be smart, okay? You got to be smart now. There's no such thing as just small little lies in your relationship. Small little lies build up to a facade that you'll end up living your life not free. Not in truth. The truth of the matter is you cannot move your life forward. You cannot move your relationships forward. You cannot move your spiritual life forward if you live a lie. Lies hold us back from healing in our lives. They hold us back from moving forward, from open doors, from God's best. I say it like this. Write it in your notes like this. You will always stay as sick as your secrets. You will always stay as sick as your secrets. You'll always have that thing on the inside of you that only you and God know this is going on. This is happening in my heart. This is the thoughts in my mind. This is what's going on when nobody else knows. And as long as you're willing to keep the secrets safe with just you, and you think it's just with you, but God and you know that secret thing you're keeping, as long as you'll keep that lie safe inside of you, you will stay bound to the curse of that lie. You'll believe it, you'll live it, and then you'll end up repeating the cycle of hurt and pain and trauma and that stuff that you say, I want freedom from, but as long as you keep it on the inside, as long as you let that lie take hold of you, but in Jesus' name, over the course of this series, we're going to break free of every lie of the devil, and I'm going to walk and live in freedom. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. Where have you believed a lie? Have you believed the lie about your value? I'm just not good enough. 
I just don't have what it takes. I'm just not tall enough, whatever. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I, don't, I can't sing good enough. I, I'm, not, I, I don't, I'm not smart enough. I, didn't, I wasn't raised at the right time. I didn't come from the right family. We didn't have enough money. I didn't go to the right school. Is there a lie that you're believing about your own value that God says you're the masterpiece of God, that God says you are called according to His purpose, that God says you are anointed and God has appointed you in a certain season to live out your purpose, but you start believing I've, I, it's too late. I've missed my opportunity. I don't, I'm too old. I haven't done enough. I, I, I just. I guess it's already passed. Let me tell you a lie of the devil. Let me go ahead and stop right here and interject one of the lies I hear so often about your purpose. Well, pastor, I missed my opportunity. Look at me. As long as you're breathing, you haven't missed a single opportunity God has for you. Every opportunity of your life, you need to hear, this is a prophetic word for somebody in this room. Every opportunity you have in your life started the day you drew your first breath, and it's still the promise of God until the day you draw your last breath. There is no limited, uh, you, you know those infomercials you say, if you call right now, the next 12 callers, you get this free, you just pray a shepherd shipping and handling, and then you'll get it all, and I, I've done it. I've got knives to prove it, and i got all kinds of stuff. Where I'm, oh, I got in, baby. I was one of the 12. So me and 10 million other people. Some people, listen, some people believe the calling of God is some limited window. That, that God just gave me this one shot and I missed my shot and I missed my... You didn't miss your shot. You're still here today. God still has an opportunity for you, purpose for you, calling for you, anointing for you. You had not missed anything yet. The best is yet to... The best is still in front of you. You didn't miss anything, but the lie is... How about your spiritual life? Are you really praying as much as you say you are? Do you really read God's word as much as you say you do? Have you really forgiven them? You, you know how you know that you've forgiven them is when you see them on Facebook on a Caribbean cruise and you don't cuss. Because <laughs> when you see them on Facebook on a cruise, you're like. Psst. All I did, now you're going to be out there. Am I really free? I didn't put it on the screen, but put it in your notes. Wherever a lie lives, everything else is dying. Wherever a lie is living, everything else is dying. Your peace is dying. Your joy is dying. You know it if you're honest today. Your purpose is dying. Your hope is dying. Your intimacy with God and with other people is dying. Everywhere there's a lie that's allowed to live. It's like a cancer that comes into your spirit, into your heart. There's this tumor that's there. And everything around that tumor starts dying. Not because it's unhealthy, because it's attached to unhealthiness. And when there's surgery that's performed and you remove the tumor and you remove the cancer out of it, then the other cells around it are allowed to grow healthy. Are you with me, everybody? And if you'll get the lie, if you'll finally pluck that lie out of your spirit, out of your heart, decide today to get honest with God and honest with somebody else. I'm going to take this out of my life. I've been living this way, believing this, telling this. But now that it's gone, suddenly all that other stuff starts growing. Joy starts returning. Peace starts coming back to you. Hope starts being restored. Faith starts growing. Intimacy gets deeper, but as long as a lie lives, everything else dies. So look around your life. You may not have a joy problem. You may have a lie problem. Look around your life at what's dying. What do you think is low? What do you think is down? What do you think is out? What do you think? It could be that it's attached to a lie. I want to help you 
over the course of the next several weeks to walk away from the lie. You are never more like the devil than when you live a lie. Now that's strong. Y'all didn't think I'd be that strong today. You didn't think I'd call you a devil, did you? <laughs> you, <laughs> you are never more like the devil than when you live a lie. John 8.44, the Bible says it like this. You belong to your father, the devil, and, and you want to carry out your father's desires. If you want to start a fight with your spouse today, look at him and say, you're just like your daddy, the devil. <laughs> That's exactly what it happens. Right? That's exactly what Jesus said. You're just like your father. You belong to your father, who? The devil. He's, he, you want to carry out everything the devil wants you to do. Now, most people in the room today would say, I'm not like the devil. I don't want to do what the devil wants me to do. But every time you lie, you do. Here's why. Because he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, because there's no truth in him. I think... If there's anything I could preach to you today, if there's anything I could tell you, it'd be this next line in John 8, 44. When the devil lies, he speaks his native language. He, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. And when he, lie, when he speaks, his native language is lying. Let me say it like this. Hell's native language in your life is a lie. That means heaven's native language in your life is the truth. The devil's native language to you is you can't, God won't, it won't work, nothing's coming together, God's left you, this thing's over with, you can hide it, you don't need anybody. All the lies that you hear, every time you hear a lie, it's the native language of hell. But every time you pick this book up and hear the word of truth, every time you get it inside your head and inside your heart, you hear truth and you'll start, it's the native language of heaven. You say, Pastor, how do you know God's spoken to you? Is it true? Because if it's true, it's from heaven. If it's a lie, it's not from heaven. I want the truth of God in my life. I want who God says I am, what God says I can do, how God says I should live my life. The native language, listen, of the enemy is a lie. And you'll live your life unknowingly like your father, the devil. Because you've lived a lie. I want to get you out of a lie. Jesus answered in John 14 and 6 and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 8, 32, and you shall know the, come on, shout truth. Shout truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Look into my eyes. Better translation than set you free. Most translations move, make to set. When you look in the original Greek, Make is better because Jesus doesn't just unlock the door and walk away and go, well, I hope you're okay in there. <laughs> I hope you can. I hope everything's okay. No, when Jesus comes into your life, he makes you free. When Jesus showed up at the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus is dead. Jesus didn't show up with the possibility of resurrecting the dead. When Jesus showed up, Lazarus didn't have a choice but to come back to life. He made him alive. Are you with me? And when you got baptized in water, the Bible said you were made alive in Christ. You were made a new creature and the truth makes you free. It makes me walk in freedom in my relationships. It makes me walk in freedom in my marriage. It makes me walk in freedom before God. It makes me walk in freedom on my workplace. It makes you 
free. But if the devil can get you to listen to and believe and repeat and live a lie, then you'll miss out on what God wants most for your life. Listen to me. After your salvation, after you give your heart to Jesus and you've settled eternity, the next thing God wants for you is not your happiness. It's not your joy. It's not even your service. It's not even your fulfillment. The next thing God wants for you once you're saved is He wants you to live free. Say amen to that. He wants you to live in freedom because who the sun sets free is free indeed. He wants you to walk in. I met a lot of saved people who aren't free. I met a lot of people on their way to heaven who aren't free. I met a lot of people who felt like I've handled, I've I've answered the, the question of eternity, but you haven't answered the question of how to walk in freedom and deliverance and how your life is set free. The only way you can walk in freedom is truth and not lie. Say amen to that. I have preached 24 minutes and that's my introduction. Now I have content to bring you today. (laughs) I hope you back to lunch. Uh, I will. I had to give you. I had to. <laughs> I had to give you. Thank you, Ruben. I had to give you a foundation because the next four weeks I'm gonna bring you. Matter of fact, I always like to tell you where we're going. Next week, are you ready for this? I, the, I think the lie the enemy tells you that uh, in relationships that is one of the biggest lies I see, especially in young people, but it's really true across the board, is that you can fix them. <laughs> you can't fix nobody. You got to fix you. So we'll look at the lie that you can fix them. The, the, the next week, I've never done this in 22 years of marriage ministry. You can ask my wife. I've never preached an entire message on this, but I felt God. I'm telling you, if I've ever felt it this way, I felt it, Pete, that God told me. I'm going to preach about sexual addiction and pornography. And in Jesus' name, I'm going to break the bonds of pornography and sex addiction off of us in the name of Jesus. Say amen to that, everybody. It's a lie that the fake is as good as the real. So buckle up, all right? That's what I'm trying to tell y'all. It's PG-13 that day, but buckle up. Because I'm coming, I'm coming loaded for bear, everybody. I am. Because I don't want you to live a lie. I want you to live in freedom. Let me give you today's lie. Let me tell you the first thing. I, and I chose this today because I think it's the foundation of everything else. Here's the biggest lie. I think people live in relationships. Write this down. The lie is this, that I don't need anybody else. I can do it by myself. I'm strong enough by myself. I'm capable by myself. I don't need nobody to help me. I have a seven-year-old little boy who come to my bathroom the other day and he was frustrated about his shoes and tying his shoes. And it's an amazing thing that happens at seven years old when he says, Daddy, can you help me tie my shoes? And the moment I look on his feet, his shoes are going opposite directions, this way like this. I said, baby, they're on the wrong foot. And he gets embarrassed and says, I can do it. Hang on, little boy, before I punch you into that bathroom. You came in here asking daddy. Anybody got kids, you know what I'm saying. I don't need nobody. Now, it's funny at seven, but what if you're 47 and you're still telling everybody, I can handle it. Oh, you can? I don't need nobody. I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm fine. I don't need nobody. I need no man in my life. Oh, okay. 
take them hoops off. Man, I don't need nobody. I'm strong. I can fix myself. Oh, you can fix yourself? I don't need a church family. Me and Jesus, oh, you don't need nobody. I don't need a small group. I don't need nobody. I can do it all by myself. You can't do it all. The biggest lie the devil's told over the last 23 months is that you can be all by yourself. If I was the devil, y'all ready for this? If I was the devil, I would have created a global pandemic. And I would have, I would have convinced seven and a half billion people on the planet that other people carried a disease that was killing them and if they got close to anybody else they would die if I was the devil I'd have come up with that I'd have convinced and then if I was the devil I would have invented the term social distancing because I'd have told I'm not talking about staying away I'm not talking about sneezing on people don't be weird I ain't talking about coughing on people I'm just saying if I was the devil I'd have convinced you that you could stay all by yourself I'd have put you right in your home and isolated you and locked you up and right in the middle of the global pandemic when everybody's staying home I would have sprinkled in some racial tension on top of that when you're looking in your house at people with the same skin color as you and you're looking on the TV going, they're the problem. Everybody there's the problem. All those people are the problem. If I was the devil, I'd have created that, Reuben. I'd have come up with that. I promise you, I'd have done that. And then right when I was telling you that everybody who didn't look like you was against you, I'd have created, uh, I'd have created an ideology that shook the underpinnings of Western civilization called critical theory. And I'd have said, you're only one of two people. You're either the oppressed or you're the oppressor. So when you're sitting in your house all alone, thinking the other people are the bad people I'd have convinced you that they're the oppressor and you're the oppressed and then right in the middle of that I'd have put an election so polarizing that you ran to your corner and you ran to your corner and you said those people cheated no those people cheated if I was the devil I'd have created the last two years so that you could think you could do it by yourself oh I'd have been a good devil if I was the devil, I would have convinced you, you can be all alone. You don't need nobody. Other people are the enemy. Other people are what's wrong. Other people is what's going on. And friendships are ending. And divorce is growing. And loneliness is overwhelming. And people are dealing with crippling isolation. And there's ongoing division. And if it's not affecting you personally, it's affecting somebody you're sitting next to. And if I was the devil, I would have invented a thing that convinced you that you could do it by yourself. I don't need nobody. I don't even want to be around nobody. Everybody else is wrong. Let me tell you, let me, let me go to God's word. I'm giving you my opinion. This isn't about politics. This isn't about my opinion. I'm going to give you God's word. The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. It was solitude. The first problem in the Bible was not sin. It was solitude. Way before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for you to be alone. Look into my eyes and hear the first lie of the devil. It is not good for you to be alone. 
It's not good for you to sit alone with your thoughts. It's not good for you to process by yourself. It's not good for you to deal with grief and nobody be beside you. It's not good for you to be in a bad marriage and not tell anybody else. It's not good for you to have an addiction and not confess it to somebody. It's not good for you to be looking at stuff you shouldn't and not tell somebody. It's not good for you to sit in your own emotions and have them all by yourself and nobody else know. It's not good for you to have anger that turns into resentment that turns into bitterness. It is not good for you to be alone. You were created for family. Say amen to that. You were created. And the lie that tells you that you don't need anybody else, it only leads you deeper into the depression you're already in. It only makes you more spiritually unhealthy. It only makes you feel abandoned even more. It only makes you more angry at everybody else. It only makes you more discouraged. And then you get further isolated and then the cycle continues. And I'm telling you, this is not a prophecy. I'm just telling you my observation 10 years from now. Should the Lord not return, we're going to look back on this time in human history and say the greatest travesty we committed was to tell people to be alone. You weren't meant to be alone. You can't do it by yourself. You can't find help by yourself. You can't find healing by yourself. You can't come out of addiction by yourself. You can't come out of bitterness by yourself. You can't fix what's wrong by yourself. It's a lie that tells you you don't need anybody else. Here's what I know. Write this down. I know that real life change happens in the context of life-giving relationships. I know if you want your life to change. Here's, here's how I know it. You can't tell me the last five sermons you heard preached. But you can tell me the last five close relationships you had that changed your life. I'm a preacher and sermons don't change lives. Relationships do. Relationships. Now, preaching could spur you into relationship. It could expose the lie of the enemy. It could open the conversation for you. But I'm not arrogant enough to think anything I do here has the ability to change your life. I tell you what it does have the ability to do. If you'll mix it with faith and you'll get together with another brother or another sister, it will change your... I know it to be... I've heard it too many times. I heard it recently from a great dream team who have been a part of our church for a long time. Her name's Sabrina. This is her story. So growing up, I didn't really have a um, church experience. I wasn't raised in church. However, my first actual encounter with God was when I was 22. And from there on, I knew that, you know, I wanted to seek that relationship with God and, you know, grow closer to Him. My husband and I were traveling. He was in the military. And, you know, we went to church here and there, wherever we were stationed at, but never really, like, planted roots anywhere. And so um, when he got out, we moved back home, and I knew that, you know, that's something that I really wanted for us. And so um, I'll never forget, it was actually the first year anniversary of City Hills, and uh, my husband's best friend invited him. And so he actually came first, and he's like, Sabrina, we got to go back. Like, this, I felt so at home. Everybody was so welcoming, and um, I went back. I mean, I went with him the following weekend, and... 
we knew that this was our church. I didn't know the whole aspect of a church. Like I said, I didn't grow up, so I didn't know that, you know, people want to reach out to you during the week and, you know, they want to see you other than just on Sundays. And that's honestly what really, you know, I knew that there was more. And I knew that God was placing that in my heart. So um, I, my husband first started serving and, you know, I was still nervous. I was very reserved. And um, I, you know, I started actually with growth track and I did that for a while, but I don't know. I felt, you know, God calling me to kids and I know we needed help during, in, you know, kids group. And so I started with that and just being around the babies. I mean, I just, I grew really, you know, I grew a bond with serving in kids and, you know, just serving week after week, it was just fulfilling me, but I feel that, you know, I also wasn't getting the full experience. I also felt there was more. Looking back now, I mean, I've been with City Hill since 2017, and I feel like I wasn't allowing people in. I was kind of just, you know, coming in on Sundays and leaving and not really engaging with anybody, not really letting anybody in. So I was still feeling like there was a void. There was a void. And even though I was coming to church every Sunday, serving and, you know, praying, there was still something missing. And so I started praying about that. And, you know, God just kept tugging at my heart that I need to really, really open up to people and really get involved more than just on Sundays. I decided that I wanted, I had been praying that I wanted to really join a small group, open up, really get the full experience of a small group, and I was praying about it. And um, that's when I met Christina and decided to join Amazing Grace. And I, you know, got to know these ladies and it was you know a great experience we talked we laughed and um, we grew close however um, during that time um, I went through a really low point in my life and you know my whole life changed in an instant and so I was in the middle of deciding of what my next steps were in my personal life and so I decided that you know I had to move to Dallas and being at this low point I was just like other than my immediate family I wanted to reach out to Pastor Mitch and Pastor Brandy because you know I needed some guidance I wanted you know them to you know guide me and see what my next step was and so I decided that I was going to move to Dallas um, and it was hard for me leaving my family leaving City Hills and it was a big decision but I felt like it was best for me at the moment However, I remember visiting one week, and it was actually the week that Pastor Mitch was announcing we have a permanent home. So it was an emotional time for everybody. And I'll never forget, Pastor Brandy came up to me and she said, Sabrina, we have a home. And I knew what she meant in that moment, but it just meant so much more to me because in that time of my life, I was just feeling like back and forth in my home. You know, I was Dallas, San Antonio, and but I felt like it was God speaking to me and telling me that I've always had a home here at City Hills and that I needed to come back home. And so I remember praying and I, I went back to Dallas and I packed all my stuff. I came back the following weekend and I said, I'm going all in again. And that's when I joined Amazing Grace for the second semester and Freedom. And it was a life-changing experience. I consider those ladies my sisters and you know I was able to be vulnerable with them. And I realized that, you know, it took for me to go through this moment in my life and that it's okay to be vulnerable and for people to see you in the good times and in the bad times. And so I can honestly say that small groups changed my life and that, you know, having a church family is just so much more than I could even have expected.
So Sabrina's here. She joined Christina's small group. She's here. I just know this. Nobody's meant to walk through hell alone. I happen to know a little bit of the story. I happen to know the dark season she walked through. and Your small group's the people who are supposed to be there. It's the, you just can't do it alone. It's, it's, why, it's why I tell you, it's why days like today exist. It's why we bring in churros. Y'all, there's hot churros out there when you're done. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's because I want you, it's not because I don't need anything else to do during the week. You don't need anything else to do. But I sure need people. Relationships can either make you better or worse. If you get relationships right, it has set you up for success. If you get them wrong, it will cause more pain and destruction than you could possibly imagine. The wise man said it like this. If you'll show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Proverbs said it like this. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm, Proverbs 13 and 20. You need people in your life. God wants you to be in a life-giving relationship. Solomon addressed the first social distancing experiment. He's writing in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon writes Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. Writes three books. The Song of Solomon, all about, it's a love story he writes in his 20s or 30s. <laughs> you know. Proverbs, he probably writes in his 40s or 50s because he's gotten some years and some wisdom. Ecclesiastes, he's writing at the end of his life. He's, he's lived a little. He's seen some stuff. And he says this in Ecclesiastes 4. There was a man who was all alone. He didn't have a son or a brother. Uh, it's, that, that doesn't mean family relationship. That just means he didn't have anybody beside him. And he worked all the time. There was no end to his toil. His eyes were not content with his wealth. He just The alarm went off, went to work 10 hours a day, came home, fell asleep in front of the TV. Went to work, came home, fell asleep in front of the TV. And one day he had an epiphany that I hope you have today. And he says this. Why am I doing this? For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why have I chosen to live all by myself? Then the wise man said it like this. Two are better than one. Because when they work together, they have a better return for their labor. And if I could, it, honestly, Rick, if I could just give you one, like if, if the last 40, 38 minutes, 40 minutes, oh Jesus, of my preaching could have been one sentence I probably would have said this Luke this one line if either of them falls down one can help another up but pity anybody who falls and has no one to help them up pity people in the room today who have fallen into a lie and you don't have anybody to help you up I pity people who just attend church and don't have a family of church. You need somebody to pick you up. If two lie down, they'll keep warm, but you can't keep warm by yourself. 
One is overpowered by the enemy, but two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So what do I do? I'm glad you asked. Let me give you two things. Number one, you got to be present in relationships. you got to show up. Jesus didn't say, read this book and everything will work out. Jesus said, follow me and everything will work. There's a presence to it. There's a, i got to show up to it. Hebrews 10 says, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect. Not Zooming together. (laughs) Not FaceTiming together. Let's don't neglect this. Meeting together. Some people do that. But when you get together, encourage each other, especially that Jesus is coming back. How do I do it? I'll give you two ways today that I know. Number one, you need to join a group. Today when you walk outside, we're launching 17 brand new small groups today, everybody. Brand new. Not including the 14 or 15 serve teams that work as a small group. 30 plus expressions of of a group where people can know your name and stand with you and pray with you and check on you. Join a group. Join a team today. Like just take a next step and be present. You say, well, pastor, you're just trying. I'm not trying to do anything except pull you out of isolation. Except save you from the lie that you can do it by yourself. You cannot do it by yourself. You got to be present. And then when you get present, here's the second thing, and then we'll pray. You got to get open. You got to get open. My prayer over the next 10 weeks of this small group semester, my prayer for you always, Ben, is that at some point over the next 10 weeks, maybe week one, two, or three, or four, or six, Skeeter, there's some point I invited you to my small group. There's some point that we just take the mask off. I look at you and you look at me and I say, hey man, I need you to pray about this. You say, hey brother, I need you to pray about this. You can impress people with your strengths. But John, you can only connect with people in your weakness. That's why James said, I'm done. That's why James said that you can go to God to get forgiveness of your sins. But you got to go to God's people to find freedom. James 5.16 says, confess your sins not to God. Confess your sins to each other. And sitting around tacos... Come on, somebody. (laughs) Sitting on a golf course. Sitting with other moms around strollers. Just confess, I can't do this by myself. And pray for each other. Put your arm around a brother and say, been there, Rico, been there, done that. God help me, he can help you. And when you do that, the Bible says, you may be free. Finally healed of this hurt. Finally healed of this addiction. Finally healed of this bitterness. Finally healed of this this anger. Finally healed in our marriage. Finally healed with my children. That you may be healed. My deepest prayer for you, my prayer for you right now is that you may be healed. Every head bowed. Father, I pray against the lie of the enemy that we can do this all by ourselves. We were never meant to do it all by ourselves. Never supposed to live this life alone. 
I thank you for people like Sabrina, the hundreds uh, uh, like her in this church family who found themselves in the middle of a dark season that the family of God rallies around her, picks her up, dusts her off and tells her sister, I'm here. We'll fight this together. I thank you that when one falls down, there's somebody there to pick them up. I thank you that I thank you that there's a family being formed. I thank you that a building is being built just a couple of miles from here. It's not about the building. It's not about studs or walls or carpet or screens or stages. It's about the people. It's about the people who find a family. Matter of fact, the Bible says you set the lonely in families. It's not a church I attend. It's a family I belong to. I reject the lie that says I can do it by myself. If you feel alone, nobody's looking around. If you're at home today at church online or you catch this message on demand, you feel alone, would you just be honest and raise your hand and say, man, that's me. I kind of feel lonely right now. Hands up all over the room. I kind of feel lonely right now. Be honest, I don't have anybody. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm walking through. I don't know if there's anybody living what I'm living. God, I just pray today that people would find freedom in a family. They'd find real connection. They'd walk through life together. We're not meant to be alone. It's a lie. I can't do it by myself. I thank you for Brandy. I thank you for our staff team. I thank you for Brody and Julie and Aubrey and Megan. Thank you for Brandon. Thank you for our staff team. And Thank you for the amazing dream team I get to walk with. Thank you for putting us in families. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you got to start somewhere. Brett always starts with a prayer of surrender that says, I, I need you, I need others, and I need God. Maybe you're here today and you think, man, I need people, but I need God really bad. If that's you, you can just pray this prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you in it, pray it with you. Matter of fact, we'll all pray it together Lord Jesus thank you for the cross that you took my sins I repent I turn my life around I put it in your hands forgive me cleanse me forgive me for trying to do it on my own by myself all alone save me today set me free today I receive grace mercy forgiveness and a new family in Jesus mighty name and everybody shout a big amen do you receive the word of the Lord today everybody thank you for joining us today and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry you know it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond so if you'd like to give today you can visit City Hills TX dot com right now and if this message blessed you why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials i pray it's a blessing to others in your world thanks again for listening today god bless you